Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, welcome back from vacation. It is a glorious Monday here. A lot of our friends were in Vegas over the weekend. I acted like I was in Vegas. I am pretty, pretty, pretty hungover today. But that is not going to stop us for from putting a bow on these divisional previews. We are up to division number eight. If you haven't already done the math and figured it out, that is the AFC North. And today we're doing the bottom of the black and blue AFC North, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. Andy, how are you doing? Yeah, and every year, I, I, I wish we would have kept notes on these the last few years. The reason why we did the last, um, you know, the last division last, I feel like we we left it for the AFC East last year because of there was a lot of uncertainty. As much as Mac Jones was like a rookie of the year favorite for parts of the season, there was a lot of chaos and tumult preseason with the quarterback situation there until Cam kind of saw himself out the door. So I feel like it's usually a quarterback that's, you know, maybe there's a division where there's a couple quarterbacks. And I think when we posited this one, we said, hey, we also may have a competition in Pittsburgh, which obviously doesn't look like actually what's happening. So, but yeah, one man's insatiable appetite for being a creep has pushed this to the end. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, we're not going to get into that. It's fine. We'll, we'll try to focus more on the, the actual product on the field for Cleveland, but Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland was what pushed this one to the end. And we did finally get resolution to that situation, but we will start with the Pittsburgh Steelers who were God, just a weird team the last couple of years. Okay, remember, I had I had I had them as a team I liked, and they were probably my least, I don't know, inspiring like eleven and 12 and zero team wherever they were a couple years ago of all time. I'm like this team sucks. I don't know how they keep yeah. winning. I wish I could just trade out of all these positions. But um, mm. and then last year, just another goofy team where you could tell like the quarterback was just toast. There were some bright spots, but this team wasn't any good. Uh, you know, despite everything Tomlin's done for many, 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 many years, he's still not an aggressive coach, not keeping up with the time as far as analytics or however you want to put it. Just, you know, the aggressiveness index that certain places keep. And lo and behold, wildcard weekend, this team is taking the field. So Crazy. it was a... It was a goofy year. Yeah, that was, I don't know, what your major takeaway outside of that? Well, they were a hot fade heading into last season, if you remember. A lot of people kind of had identified that they were sort of the, you know, that was a little bit of an unsustainable run from them the prior year, which ultimately ended in a round one playoff dispatching. Um, I think that in general, um, you know, people expected more chaos, more of a, you know, kind of a swoon from Roethlisberger as he was entering his year 39 season and just didn't show you much life left in that arm uh, coming down the home stretch in 2020. Um, but they come out of the gates with an impressive win against the Bills. And then the rest of their season was bizarre because generally they took care of business against the chumps and they lost to the good teams. But there's a couple really close calls in there. They had to go to overtime to get by Geno Smith. They had to, um, 
come from behind to beat the Bears uh, when the nobody when the Bears weren't beating anybody. Uh, they had needed an overtime win against the Ravens to clinch their playoff berth in the final week of the season, and even that was with Ravens were an entirely second unit team. Um, they tied the Detroit Lions for crying out loud. Yeah, that, that was, was the worst that game. Was like, that was the worst game of the regular season. That was the worst. Like if you had to rewatch one game, that is. It used to be two hundred and fifty six. I don't know how many there are now. You got to add sixteen more, I guess. We're at 280, 282, 272. But that yeah. would be two seventy two out of two seventy two as far as games. <laughs> that I, was I would rewatch. One. It was horrible. And truth be told, it was probably the game that got them into the playoffs. All things considered, they finished nine seven and one again, second place in the division. The Colts. The Dolphins and the Chargers all finished seven and eight. So just had that extra loss. And even, yeah, the last weekend, they needed to beat the Ravens, which wasn't like some Herculean feat. Well, like you said, that team was beat to shit. It was practically their second team. They had nothing to play for outside of spoiler. But they needed the Jags to beat the Colts as well because I think they only had the tiebreaker over Miami. So they needed the Colts to lose to the Jags. They needed to win their game, which – it took them overtime to beat that shitty Ravens team at that point. And then they also needed the our tie game. The tie game has come up like on six podcasts now, I think so. The uh, the Raiders Chargers couldn't end in a tie or a Chargers win. I think they needed the Raiders to win outright. So that timeout kind of put the Steelers in the playoffs where they <clears> – <throat> who scored the first touchdown of that playoff game, Drew? TJ Watt, DPOY. TJ Watt, Watt, DPOY. We'll get to him a little more. But yeah, I I wouldn't look to that box score because I'm like, how did they score 21? And I looked and uh, they had the fumble recovery by TJ Watt. And then it was 35 consecutive by Kansas City. And then at that point, (laughs) you know, the last two touchdowns, even though the second to the last touchdown was in the third quarter, still pretty much window dressing at that point. They were not a team that was going to beat anybody in the playoffs. There's. Mm-hmm. Too many problems with this team, and I, they got the shit beat out of them. So, yeah, man. And, if you had Pittsburgh and plus the twelve and a half, you were feeling pretty damn good with that TJ Watt yeah. touchdown. You're like, yeah. all right, man, because the TJ Watt score was in the second quarter, so you avoided any damage in the first quarter. You get the first touchdown in the second quarter, and you might be thinking, like, hey, man, here we go. Let's get a defensive masterpiece here, and we got something. Uh, turned out that there were 63 total points scored, which went well over the closing total of 46 and a half. Chiefs, not only did they, they were a very popular teaser leg, I remember, um, but even more so, uh, they really never sweated that 12 and a half um, from halftime on. You were in good shape there. Um, but the wild, you know, the, the fact that they got to the playoffs, that was a win for the Steelers team. And that's sort of been the hallmark of the Mike Tomlin regime. And a lot of people have pointed this out. And in fact, any Steelers preview you've heard has referenced this. But Tomlin has got, you know, has shown an ability to do two things very, very, very effectively over his tenure with the Steelers. The first is coaching up borderline players to at least replacement level, if not better. Uh, and just in general, uh, keeping this franchise, even in years where <clears throat> Roethlisberger was down, Roethlisberger was hurt. Or there was clear problems or holes overall. They still remain relatively competitive, even in in a difficult division in a difficult conference. So, um, credit to Mike Tomlin. Nine seven and one was somewhat magical for him to pull that off with la- that team last year. Would you agree? Yeah, like yeah, like you said, they were a fade, and <clears throat> throughout the Tomlin era and Colbert too. The 
GM, whatever. Like they've been, it's just been a team that's been able to identify talent in the draft, especially at the wide receiver spot. They took a Mac quarterback before that was cool, made that work. I mean, that his rookie year didn't, didn't they win like an obscene amount of games? They were 15 and one, I believe. Was it 15? I was going to say 14 and 15 and one. Like just things have worked out during the Tomlin. And I, I think the front office probably needs more credit because not only the, just the, wealth of wide receivers that they found in the draft over the last however many years, but of the defensive side of the ball too, drafting and picking up free agents. And <laughs> honestly, for a long time, they really, it was everything. Like they, they were able to put together a lot of good offensive linemen too. They had a real, like what, like three years ago, it was a mm-hmm. top tier offensive line. I mean, they lost like, <laughs> God, we'd have to go back and look. I bet it's the 2020 like we, they lost everybody. I that think it was like right three. Thing. I think it was like a retirement and two trades or something. They lost most of that offensive line. The offensive line that that is one of the holes that um, maybe got. They haven't been that. Yeah, the offensive line hasn't been. It's been bad while. for a couple I'm, years, but last. I'm year over here laughing bad. my ass off. I clicked on Mike Tomlin's Pro Football Reference page just because I was curious what his like his winning and loss percentage was. Um, no, he did go to William and Mary, um, which is. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but uh, his picture on Pro Football Reference is like somebody surprised him. They were like, "Hey, Tom, <laughs> you're like what?" It's a is quite a silly. I was picture. wondering if you were um, watching tennis or what was making you laugh. I'm well, no, I'm laughing at Tomlin's surprised picture. <laughs> He's like, like <laughs> um, the uh, his his overall his overall win percentage in 15 seasons is 643, uh, which is elite. Uh, I bet you that's better than Belichick, or it's close, right? What do you think, Belichick? Oh my god, is? it's like the it's like the Phil Mickelson picture they use, where he looks like he's just you know just woke up from a three day yeah. bender. Yeah, yes, and he, yes, exactly. like he's pale yeah. and gross. The the Tomlin picture is up there. That is something. Yeah, that's funny. He does that's look great. quite surprised. Everyone um, should go look that up. Pro Football Reference. Okay. Um, uh, okay. <clears> so his, anyway, his, uh, not quite as good of a win loss. And they did have a couple Super Bowls. Obviously, that was nice. But yeah, just even the down years were just not down years, which I think that speaks even more to like what I said the front office, the talent evaluators, the scouts, that whole department. Like, they just don't have top five picks. You're doing all this in the middle to late rounds. That's a great point. Really, you know, really making for a long time now. Just you haven't had these top picks unless you, you know, the only way to get a top pick was trade some pieces away to get something good like that but no kudos to them it just it's almost like the draft uh, and develop draft and develop draft and develop yeah what what did we say about like tom brady like obviously he's not going to be playing till he's 60 like there's going to finally be a year where he's bad or he just retires before that happens the tomlin it feels like it's kind of the same thing everyone's just like i can't keep doing this you can't keep getting away with it but this year, like even last year, if you go back and look at last year's schedule, it was tough. And I'd have to go yeah. look. I feel like uh, Cleve put it in his thing under his luck. Yeah. Eight and two record in one score games. Ooh. They had 10 one score games. First, first off, like the eight and two record is eye popping, but to have 10 one score games, first off, is something. And then to win 80% of those is something. So uh, maybe regression, but. I don't know. Like everything points to it. Hey, Tomlin isn't, uh, you know, isn't the coach who's 
aggressive on fourth downs. The quarterback's a million years old. The schedule is hard. Again, they still have a winning record somehow. It was yeah. it was kind of Rams-esque where they were really thin at certain positions and they had some superstars. Like you had some wide receivers that were stars. They didn't really come through as much as we thought they would. You had an yeah, up-and-coming tight end. You have a couple of bona fide stars on the defensive side of the ball. So they're just like a shitty version of the Rams. And they didn't get that injured either. Like, uh, I guess Watt missed a couple games, but he tied the sack record in the games he played. He only played 15. Like, that's yeah. that's something. So, I mean, they, they made the most of what they had. And as much as I have dogged on Tomlin several times for not riding the analytics wave, He's still a good developer of talent. He's still a good leader of men. I don't uh I don't know. We've never seen him do a rebuild though. No, no. They have always reloaded, always reloaded, never rebuilt. Um, and I guess my other general thought about the franchise of the Steelers, and they are in a transition. Not only are they, you know, you know, not only have we closed the book now on the Ben Roethlisberger era, um, Kevin Colbert, uh, this is his last draft. Yep. Uh, he has moved on. And so now you have a new regime in the drafting department as well, which is, you know, it's going to be interesting. But over the Tolbert and Ben Roethlisberger uh, kind of in concert, the characteristics of what, you know, what made them special is, again, they drafted well, but they developed those players into bona fide pros. And then they were never out there in the free agent market, like really spending away. They were always just doing their, you know, signing their own guys. Uh, and, you know, that that has, there's a lot to be said about operating that way, where you're rewarding the guys who are developing well within your system and paying them and keeping them on board. Like, it's cheaper to do that than it is to go fill holes in free agency, certainly. Um, and so I think you have to just respect that the Steelers have an elite culture, you know, really. Um, and they came into last season with some tweaks, ostensibly, a lot of the talk in the preseason, offseason before last year's Steelers games was these, you know, we're going to do things differently. We bring in Matt Canada. He's going to run the offense a little differently. It's going to, you know, we're going to ask more out of Ben Roethlisberger. All that turned out to be complete fluff and nonsense. Um, <laughs> they yeah. were extremely, they were extremely tell, like easy to telegraph and game plan for. They were literally like, we're going to give Najee Harris as many carries as he can possibly handle. Uh, he ended up, being an absolute bell cow for them in terms of workload. And he was fine, not great. Um, their two best players by he had he had a lot of yardage. Lot. But it was yeah, by yeah. volume. Yeah. Like they just gave him the ball. So it was all by volume. It was all volume. All volume. All volume. And that's but you know what? If you have a rookie running back that you gave up that much draft capital before, you better use him. Uh, you know, he better be getting that kind of volume because, you know, Roethlisberger wasn't great with the ball in his hands. I had him graded as a bottom seven quarterback last year in the NFL, yet he went to a playoff game, which is absolutely, again, absurd. Yeah, I think um, you kind of called Harris, that bullshit preseason, you know. like the, we're going to ask more from Ben. It's like, well, you can, <laughs> yeah. I can, I mean, I can ask my seven-year-old to go get a job as like a CEO of a big company. It's like, it's <laughs> not going to happen. He's just not smart enough. Not going to happen. He's just a child. Not going to happen. So, but yeah, the, the Ben um, stuff, it felt weird. And you saw it immediately. Like you said, Najee, tons of volume, even behind a bad line where he was getting hit a lot sooner than most yeah. running backs would like to. And he still made the most out of it. And then Ben, his 
I'd have to go look this up. I, I feel like I had this written down. His depth of target was was something. Like, it just turned into, this is what I have left. And they had some good receivers, yeah. and he had a good tight end. But, yeah, his depth of target was shorter than his rap sheet. It was yeah. – yeah. It was it was a weird you know, offense. Check down stuff. It, it was, was a weird offense. That was the, the biggest yeah. thing. And I, I don't delve into fantasy enough, but the people that just like, oh man, you know, that, that, oh, I, I I almost said Juju. That's not who I'm thinking of. Your other wide receiver whose name is you can yeah, tell I was Johnson. off for a week. Oh, Claypool. Claypool. Like the people, okay. yeah, the people's like, oh, Claypool's gonna have this big step forward. I'm like, well, is Ben getting hurt in week one? Like it just he's not the kind of receiver who's gonna have a big year if Ben is continuing to regress like this. I was mm-hmm. hoping. I love Claypool. I had a lot of fun with him. He was, you know, he was an exciting player two years ago, but it was kind of a it was a rough year in that offense. And like you said, just a weird offense. Yeah. But it was um the, the weirdish offense that kind of worked at times combined with yeah. a few elite players on defense. I guess no wonder they had 10 games that were ended up within a yeah. score. Yeah. And you go to the elite players on defense, they had two that qualified in as top 10 players in the entire NFL. And they were next to each other, which is big. Uh, I actually had Cam Hayward as their most valuable player defensively, even more so than TJ Watt. Some of that was just because he gets the slight nod because of availability. Cam Hayward started all 17 games. Uh, Cam Hayward is a 10-year vet from Ohio State. And he is one of the least talked about and most important pieces for any team for any defense. And it's crazy the way that you get you get these kind of compounding positives where you got a guy like Hayward and Watt next to each other in the D line, and you know that you can only dedicate so much attention to one or the other, and it just ends up being perfect synergy. And that's how those guys work out because you know they the they the. the Steelers did not have good injury luck last year at all. TJ Watt, as you mentioned, missed a couple of key games. Uh, Tyson Alualu was unavailable. They lost the other defensive tackle that they started the season with, uh, Stefan Tuit. I think he either retired or just never played because of injury. I can't remember. But um, they did not have a lot of depth. But it didn't matter because those two guys were so outstanding that they just elevated the play of everyone else around them. Their linebacking core, which has long, long been the strength of the Steelers, was kind of lackluster last year. Devin Bush looks like Bush, he's maybe yeah, on the outs. Needs some help. Yeah, he may be on it the just, way It out. just might not be a thing. Similarly, though, they paid Megan Minka Fitzpatrick a lot of money. I th- I thought he was outperformed by Terrell Edmonds <laughs> in terms of just general contributions. Minka Fitzpatrick is a funny kind of boomer bust safety, not unlike uh, you know some of the other kind of players in that vein at safety around the NFL, where he's gonna he'll create a couple of splash explosive defensive plays for you over the balance of the season. But there are other times he can be completely schemed out of a game, um, and so. You know, it's it's still is it's a defense that's built on the strengths of the defensive line, and that hasn't really changed. Um, this overall is still uh, a formidable unit defensively, but the offense is an enormous question mark, which is an interesting way I think to look at the way that they treated their off season. Ben Roethlisberger gone. What do you do? Do you go out there and try to get a, a retread? You try to find some quarterback with tread on the tires, uh, you know, the 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 Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world or something like that, or 
do you uh, go via draft? And they decided both. We're going to kick the tires on Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> and we're going to use our first-round draft capital on a quarterback. And they hopefully drafted, one of those yeah. works out. They drafted two quarterbacks. They actually used a late-round pick on another oh, uh, about that. An FCS quarter. I think he actually – he didn't – I don't think he broke camp. I think he's – He didn't. Uh, he didn't. <clears throat> maybe going to end up on a practice squad. But, no, that was – it was a weird spot going into the draft. And I mean, just like transitioning to this year, that was the biggest thing because it's like, all right, we can fill in some pieces. We'll go get a linebacker. I got miles Jack, probably an upgrade, at least an upgrade to the overall unit. I think is where they're at. Sure. They have, I agree with that. It's a good, great defensive line. They have enough pieces in the defensive secondary that they should be good The run. The run defense could be better, but hopefully Miles Jack and maybe some improvements in the linebacker core help that. But the biggest question, obviously, and always quarterback. And the biggest, I don't know, the narrative going into the draft was, oh, it sucks. They made the playoffs. Like, what if they had a high pick? Then they could take the first quarterback on the board. They did take the first <laughs> quarterback on the board by like, what, two and a half rounds? How far was yeah, it until yeah. we had enough? It was an amazing. Uh... It was next quarterback was Willis. I don't even remember who the second quarterback was that was taken. Was it Ritter in the third? I thought it was. I, I thought Willis. Maybe Ritter was. Willis. I I just remember. <clears throat> yeah, it was it was third round, and Amazing. they all it's all kind of a blur. After I was just mad at that the Giants didn't get Willis because we had bets on that. But yeah, it it turned out they did get their first shot at the quarterback. They probably could have. <laughs> waited a long time and yeah. taken Willis or Ritter or anybody later. They didn't know that at the time. It's hindsight's 2020, but yeah, they did use their draft capital on a quarterback who had a hell of a year for Pittsburgh and has one glaring weakness and that his hands are really, really tiny. And little, little, little bitty hands. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is the, <clears throat> I mean, the big thing is we fumbled a bunch. I mean, he had a lot of touchdowns, not that many interceptions, but he fumbled a bunch over his career because they're not big hands. That's a thing. And he's going to be playing behind a bad offensive line if he sees time this year. So probably a rough combo to start your start your year. And that's maybe the reason they got a stopgap because I don't think anyone thinks that Trubisky is anything but a stopgap or a you know like a bridge quarterback at this point. Like uh, I don't know, you you could boy. you could make a case that, and we'll do our percentage thing where it's like, hey, eighty percent of the time Trubisky plays all of this year mm -hmm. or most of this year, and mm -hmm. then if things go pear shaped late, you give the rookie some starts just to see what you have early on, and then like. 10% Trubisky just sucks or gets hurt and you have to start the rookie because it's like, this isn't going well at all. And then there's that, there's probably a 10% of like, we see 2018 Mitch Trubisky. Again, I'm not a big Matt Canada guy, but maybe he was hampered a little by having to limp. Uh, you know, It's like the, yeah. the, the lady with the Walker meme, like we won two I Super Bowls. All right. All right. Grandpa Ben. But yeah, I, I, I maybe Matt Canada isn't as bad as I I make him out to be because I'm not a fan of uh, the offense for the most part. But it's it's tough when you know like, man, how much time should I be spending on trying to make this work when I know it's like we're done with this guy soon? Maybe two years ago, you know, it's 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 tough to say it, but there is a small chance that you see a mobile Trubisky that's get used in the right way, like 2018, where it's like shit, this guy's. 
good enough, good enough to win games. They certainly didn't have the receiving core in Chicago that they have here. You have a pretty good tight end. Again, the old line sucks. Decent running back. So there's a there's a non-zero chance that Trubisky just like comes in there and wins this damn job. I don't think it's yeah. super likely, but such is life. I would say this about Trubisky. Uh, his numbers aren't like so low that it's a question of, you know, what do you, what, why bother? What are you doing? Like what, like what's the idea? What's going on here? Like his numbers are not that dissimilar from Ryan Tannehill in Miami, you know, and the situation he was in working for Nagy was bad. You, so, you were full tinfoil on that. You thought Nagy was trying to, I, well, bad. I think I, and I still, think it wasn't, stuff. it wasn't the craziest thing no. you ever said. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Nagy, did not know how to run the franchise like an adult. Uh, and, you know, he was at odds with Pace for from the day zero drafting Mitch. Um, and so that was never really going to work. Um, the thing about, so like the questions, the two questions are, does is there talent there with Mitch? I would say maybe. And then the second question is, it will Matt Canada be able to get it out of him if there is talent there? And to that, I'm saying, Probably not. Like the Canada system doesn't look to me like a professional, like a NFL worthy kind of vision, but you're, you know, if we could, we could be, you know, a little bit, over, you know, a little bit premature evaluating it. Cause we only saw it with, like you said, with grandpa Roethlisberger. So it's somewhat, I, I, I would give him 5% chance that this is like, Oh, we stumbled into, uh, a pot of gold here that we didn't, you know, a reclamation project that turned into be a, a bona fide top 10. That's like five, maybe less. And that big media yeah, no, body I'm, of the I'm, distribution <clears throat> is what you said, which is, I don't, he is a stopgap. He gets benched yeah, before the end the of the season. Thing is happening. Like, it's no, like, it's he, very, like, very, he's very like, well like, he's that. like a top 15. Like, yeah. like you, you say like, shit, we kind of have to roll with this guy. He's playing well enough with this offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think ultimately like, the big meaty body of the distribution is we see about 10 games out of Trubisky. He's three and seven, and then it's picket time. <laughs> it's picket time, baby. Uh, yeah. And at that point, I agree with your takes about picket. Picket is a huge question mark because of the concerns about his hand size and the fact that he will be behind what is almost surely going to be a bottom five O-line, maybe bottom two. Uh, I don't know anyone who does really realistic, good offensive line grading that has much positive to say about this unit. We have Dan Moore at left tackle, Kevin Dotson at left guard, Mason Cole at center, Dotson. James Daniels at right guard, and um, Okorafor at uh, right tackle. So that's a who's who of nobodies. And um, I think the, you know, like, the coaching has never really been great with the offensive line there. They haven't, that's maybe the one position they haven't really been able to develop much. They end up, they're going to end up having to use Pat Fremuth and blocking, you know, pass blocking role a ton. They're going to have to use Najee Harris out of the backfield in a blocking role a ton in order to give Trubisky time. But the offensive weapons he has to work with and Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool and George Pickens is stellar. Like those guys are great. They can create separation. They can, you know, hurt you downfield. Uh, this and for as sad as the Steelers are at developing 
offensive line players, they have never missed at developing a wide receiver. <laughs> they are like well, they, almost they, impossibly they good a, at that. <laughs> they actually took an, a couple. They took an, another one from Memphis, Calvin Austin, later in the draft that people think is a decent project. But yeah, Pickens, Pickens is like, this should work. You know, there's a lot of these it receivers. Even like, in, you know, I'm, I'm not bringing him up because of, you know, where he ended up now, but like Ruggs, I don't want to say I'm right because he's in jail, but like Ruggs heading into the NFL, it's like, man, is this going to, is he like, is he like going to translate at an NFL level because of his skill set? And it's fine if you take him in the second round, but like take him as high as he did, it felt like a risky move. But like, yeah, and there's guys like that every year, but I don't know. Pickens, Pickens just feels good. Like he feels like the, the, what he does, what he does well, just automatically translate, especially when he's not asked to be the focus. Like there's other good receivers on this staff. And then also from the chat too, people are pointing this out too. Like Matt Canada is pro um, play action movement stuff. Yeah. The Steelers just haven't been. It's, and it's, it's they tried maybe something you see. It didn't really work great. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Maybe it's just something that's not going to work well with Big Ben behind under center. And Here, here's my two cents. You, see, you ready? Do you see added a little Se- more this year? The sequencing was the fail part of it last year because they tried it. Like that was the big guy. That was the big kind of sales pitch for the Steelers offense heading into 2021 was Matt Canada. He's going to, he's going to get Ben Roethlisberger to buy into his vision and actually run the play action instead of checking out of it every time. And he did, but the problem was still the sequencing. Like he came at it with a very old school mindset of, I need to run and run and run to set this up or it's not going to work. And the running game was always stuck in mud there, you know? So he was legitimately donking off downs (laughs) with early down runs second and 10 runs that, you know, you saw them coming a mile away. They had a million, you know, they, 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 they ran into stack boxes at an incredible clip too. Like they, they even conceptually, even if you buy into play action might work. I, you know, I still have huge questions about Canada being able to do all the rest of the parts correctly. Uh, and Oh, by the way, like Trubisky still can't throw to half the field. At least we've ever seen him. It's, you know, let's be let's be field half full. Like he can throw well to one half of the field. <laughs> okay, very good. I know. I, like I need that. to figure out for for fantasy purposes. You need to figure out which of these receivers is lining up on which side of the field because yeah. the, the other the other guy is toast. And, and again, <laughs> so, not not only yeah. for fantasy purposes, but for the purposes of I I like him and I hope he plays well. I hope the offensive line takes him miniature step forward because prior yeah. to having to be an extra lineman sucks like, i'd like to see him out on rocks more so um to answer the question reload or rebuild this feels this like, like a rebuild more of a rebuild than anything yeah. we've seen for a long time from this team and i mean it just even at just one position all it takes yeah. is switching quarterbacks and you say well it's probably a rebuild at this point so yeah. the, the uncertainty and they haven't really, I haven't really got a good quote saying, you know, Hey, we'll go with, we'll go with Kenny when it's time. Like the teams are cagey about that sort of shit and it sucks, but I think you're probably onto something with like the 10 games or, you know, if Trubisky's truly horrid, if it's just not a good match, like you have to go put them out there. And again, I don't know how much teams 
every team believes in this. We've never get to, got to see this. You know, we, we did get the Hodges and Mason, Mason Crosby, Mason Rudolph year, but that was out of necessity. This is one of those things where we have no idea how this team's philosophy is as far as, hey, we need to figure out what we have in Kenny Pickett right now. And yeah. I mean, because there's teams that just don't believe in that shit and don't end up getting, you know, they end up wasting a year of a rookie contract, not knowing even what they have. You just you have a mystery box sitting on the bench while you let Mitch Trubisky guide you to a seven and nine, seven and 10 season. Still got to adjust to 17 games. So, oh, yeah, it's yeah. everything. The, the rebuild. The rebuild, in my opinion, is going with Trubisky for more than 10 games because then that basically guarantees, in my opinion, that you're elongating the process of getting Pickett up to speed. You've made your bet now that he's a guy you can slide in as the future of the franchise. The sooner you get the inexperienced reps out of the way, the sooner you are competing again. Um, and honestly, like, again, we're in a quarterback rift rich draft next year. If, if Kenny Pickett turns out that he can't play in your conditions, which are wet and cold <laughs> in outdoors. He didn't even, didn't even then, get to that. Hey, you'd play in Cleveland to, and Baltimore yeah, every then, year. If he can't, if he can't compete in your home, you know, your your neck of the woods up there in the in the cold, wet AFC North, then you better be prepared to move on in next year's draft, a la Josh Rosen. And I'm not sure where I I don't have an opinion at all on Pickett's skill set yet, but the the hands and the cold weather thing definitely 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 red flags yeah 10 of your games every year are in pittsburgh baltimore and cleveland yeah and yeah. more and, sometimes oh, yeah. you know now there, there could be 11 on on the odd number of years we're probably gonna have 12 eventually once we get to yeah eight. and i i mean i know he played in pittsburgh in college but n like for whatever reason like the, number one those games earlier in the season number two uh he had very few bad weather games particularly last year and I, you know, that's going to be a huge question until he proves. Well, he can and, do it, and the so. thing is, too, it's like, yeah, he played in Pittsburgh in college, and he fumbled a lot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So, like it, it, yeah, it, it was it was a good year as far as hey, you threw a lot of touchdowns in the ACC, but you also, I mean, I, I got to find this now over the course of over the course of oh, defense. These are defensive fumbles. That's not what I want. Well, why would you do that to me pro or sportsreference.com? Yeah. Only seven interceptions. He really, really played well. I had a, I had a Heisman ticket on him. I got a kind of a rogue number at one point. Somebody talked me into it. I said, I was a, as big of a Kenny Pickett fan as anybody last year. Sure. Of course. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think uh, ultimately, though, um, you know, like we mentioned, like there's huge question marks about the offensive line here. Um, I definitely don't feel great about some of the secondary. Uh, you have an again, you have one of the most talented defensive lines in all of football, and that gets you somewhere. Um, but, you know, you have guys taking snaps for you and at the second level who are replacement level at best. And that's maybe if you coach them up. Um, so. Uh, still a lot of a lot of reasons to be concerned and or skeptical about this roster overall. Um, and, you know, at the same time, like, I mean, if they were in the NFC North instead of the AFC North, we might have a different tune. But sorry, guys, you're in the most <laughs> stacked conference I can remember in my life 
on top of being in a division that uh, margins, you know, you just by by default, you're fourth. So, you know, 30, uh, 39 stuck out with me. It was actually 38. But my favorite thing about Kenny Pickett's fumbling hands was when I Googled it, the first article came up was from like a Steelers fan site contextualizing all of Kenny Pickett's fumbles in his in his college career. Like they're already already oh, rationalizing no. this pick. Oh no. Which again, he could be very good. He was electric when he was on. He was he was a lot of fun and it was you know, the, the ACC is a little down. I'll give it that. But he played more games than another ACC quarterback that's on this roster. So he said he's old. He's like probably yeah. 26. I don't know how old this guy's now. 20. Are we not going to give birthdays on this anyway? Anyway, he was at school. He was at school for five years. So <laughs> he's old enough. 23, 24, something like that. He's been around the block. It's not like the Trubisky. Yeah, he has. That's true. The guy had started for one year. So Trubisky is team, how old is Trubisky? It's been five years since he was. He's twenty-eight. 20, yeah. He just turned 28. twenty-eight. Yeah, he just turned twenty-eight. So, uh, interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, Trubisky, uh, not the answer long term, ultimately. Um, and you know, the defense has some elite players, but some issues. Uh, and I think you know, end of the day. Um, it's going to make it that much more difficult for you to, uh, you know, to realize something positive out of the season to keep the streak alive uh, for Mr. Mike Tomlin. You know what streak I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. What what are what are you put the odds that the quarterback that starts in 2024 isn't on the roster right now? Um, hmm. Not next year. Yeah. Year after. Uh, 33%. A little higher. You're a little higher. A I don't know if I'm a picket believer. Okay. That Especially sounds like you're not. If you, if you, if you end up with like, <clears throat> what if it is a dumpster show and Tomlin just calls it quits? You end up, you have the newish GM, you have a new coach. Maybe they want to go. Do you think Tomlin break. needs to change, change the seizure scenery? Man, the thing is, too, like, I was thinking, like, will Tomlin retire? Fuck, he's not old. No, 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 no. He's young. Like, I forgot how young he was when he was with Minnesota. 50 years old. He's 50. Like, there's, there's, he's got 20 years left in him if he wants. He can coach forever. Yeah. He looks great. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Any comment on his skin? So, the com- <laughs> yeah, the, the combination of Andy Reid's out there at age sixty-eight. Belichick's out there is Belichick seventy now. 70. Yeah, so he's got twenty. They got they got, they got twenty years on this guy. All right. Yeah. So the combination of real high uncertainty at the quarterback position, a bad offensive line, a play caller who probably isn't good. We gave him a little bit. Wasting downs. Maybe maybe it was more Ben related and, but the play sequencing says otherwise you have stars on defense, but you also have some gaps and defense alone is not going to win you games. And then again, another year of a tough schedule and he can't continue to just win every close game like they have. So it does feel like we're doing this team first out of the four teams for a reason. It feels like maybe this is the, the streak breaking year for Tomlin. 
and maybe he does maybe he does move on at some point maybe he pulls like uh and we haven't even seen this cycle come to fruition yet but uh uh peyton where he does the year off or you know a couple coaches have done that where they just take the year off end up somewhere eventually like tomlin tomlin could use a break yeah he deserves it's it. he, not he, crazy 15 goddamn years of just you know trucking along in the steel city having to live in pittsburgh it's not fun up here up north. It's not even Heinz Field Everything's new. Colbert's gone. Ben's gone. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like things go sideways. This may be a, reg a regime change out of just we need fresh blood. Not that Tomlin isn't capable of leading the Steelers back to a Super Bowl in his life. I think uh, that's very much on the table and you know, maybe, maybe even conversated about if things aren't going well. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, – I think the Steelers have to be squarely the fourth best expected team in this division. Um, if everyone is, uh, if everyone is healthy, I think that's how this breaks. Then before we go schedule and odds, just uh, we touched on the defense a bunch already. Like TJ Watt, if he's healthy, is the best defensive player in the league. He does a lot. He does everything he's in the conversation. He's, he's, he's never going to be an Aaron Donald to me for me. No, but I mean, Micah, Micah Parsons has already passed him in my mind as well. Apples, I, I hate comparing. I hate comparing what Aaron Donald does to other people, because it's just such a different. What he's asked is so different. I'm, I'm fine. He's top three edge, top three okay. edge. That's out outside whatever. Like I'll put him there. He's Definitely. he's going to be a top. Definitely. Three. He plays top all seventeen. Yes. He's a top five overall defensive player. Absolutely, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons doesn't have that sample size to merit just saying that he's very good but i mean teams haven't had a chance to adjust to that yet so true it's not like an offensive player where you can just adjust because it's uh defense is more reactive but yeah i'm with you there mink is great like you said maybe not even the best safety on the squad you added miles jack you have iron Ed hayward's kid r.i.p from my childhood and uh yeah, it's it should be a good defense if people stay. Like uh, again, I don't know how much you put that sort of stock. Like if the offense stinks, if the wide receivers go to waste again, and we don't see Matt Canada flipping a switch here now that we have a, a new kind of regime in place. I don't know. Like it, it might be one of those where hey, this is a really good defense on a six-win team. Like it's it's not that fun. It's not fun to watch no. a great defense. No continually go out there and stop a team on like eight out of, you know, eight out of 11 drives. They just stonewall them and the team loses 21 to three. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> not, that's not fun to watch as a, as a fan, as a, a bad, no, you team. know why it's especially not fun is because these guys are set up well to get off the field in garbage time. And so you're going to get a lot of the Mitch Trubisky experience in comeback mode. <laughs> And that's going to be your, what you're asked to watch more than the, even the defensive stars. You know what I mean? Um, Patrick says yeah. you compare, you can compare Aaron Donald to Miles Garrett now. Oh, yeah. the helmet swinging. Good call, yeah. good call, Patrick. Kind of nailed that one. But yeah, yeah. The defense. I, I mean, where, where's your floor for the defense if it's healthy-ish? Uh sixteen. Yeah. If if things don't get better at the linebacking core, if they don't improve in run defense, which they were kind of bad at, it's a middle of the pack defense with some flashes. Where it's like, hey, this is a great mm -hmm. defense. It gets a lot of sacks, 
but they're giving up a bunch of points because the offense isn't staying on the field and they do have some holes and you can run against them. And maybe the corners aren't as everything you'd want out of that. So top 10 is the ceiling, middle of the pack's the floor. Put it all together and yeah, like you said, and we'll get to this next, add the schedule in and that's why we're kind of looking at a middling team that's leaning closer to the, closer yeah, to the top of the draft and middling. So the AFC North plays the crosses with the AFC East yep. and a cross with the NFC South. Uh, that's uh, those are both pretty positive. I think you you're pretty stoked to draw those uh, non-divisional opponents. Uh, Pittsburgh by finishing second in division <laughs> last year. Gets the cross, gets the extra opponent, uh, Philly. Uh, so not an ideal matchup. Um, in division, you don't match up well against Cincinnati. They beat you twice last year. They have all the depth at wide receiver that really can make your secondary miserable. You don't match up great against uh, Baltimore because Lamar Jackson is exceptionally athletic and can absolutely give your linebackers fits. And you don't match up. And you can't stop the run. No. And, and yeah, three yeah. of the maybe the three best running backs are all on Cleveland in the yeah. damn division. Yeah, not the three. Yeah. I, I hate to put the Ernest up there, but two the two best running backs in the damn division are on the same team, and you can't stop the run. So that's right. Even with Brissett under center, you don't match up good in six games right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And then you also drew Tampa, you draw Buffalo away, you draw yeah. Indianapolis. Those... Like it's yeah. just. It's it's a tough schedule. Not a lot of easy wins on here. No. Later um, later in the season they have some, you know, some coin flippish games, but I mean, would you be surprised to see Vegas favored by a, a field goal or better come week? What is that? 16? I think that's an offense with a lot of upside. Right. I mean, pre- like if you're the brain trust and you're looking at the schedule, the Kenny Pickett insertion is pretty obvious. Yeah, home. It's, it's either a home it's game either, off the bye. Look at that. Yeah, it's either week ten Two off the bye. It's either week ten off the bye or it's. Uh, yeah, no, it, that's the only time. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't put him in at Atlanta. I wouldn't put him in home versus Baltimore. Uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious. You're coming off the bye, and it's Kenny Pickett time. If Mitch Trubisky isn't working weeks one through eight. And it's a good chance Mitch is not going to look like it's working weeks one through eight because you got to play Cincy, Buffalo, Tampa, and then uh, the other kind of coin flippish games. You're a meaningful dog. Um, realistically, you could be three and one if you beat New England, Cleveland without Watson and Jets after getting beat by Cincinnati, presumably in opening week. Um, but then that three and one turns into three and five as you go into the bye and then it's time and then yeah if you're if that's losing streak into the bye precedes the switch of quarterback then you know then uh you get to see what uh you get to see what picket looks like in wet weather home games against new orleans since those are tough defenses home game against baltimore it's a tough defense home game against vegas that's not going to be a plus one and a half but um maybe competitive i don't know um, a lot of tough defenses for Pickett to go head to head with down the home stretch there. So this <clears throat> sets up for him to have kind of a characteristic 
rookie quarterback that we're not excited about does things that we're not excited about kind of a finale to the season. Yeah, I was going to say, and just, you know, before anyone asks, and I think people have kind of examined this with the Titans and the Falcons and now this team is like, is that enough of a schedule to like compete for rookie of the year? Like, first off, none of the quarterbacks can be doing anything. And like, seven different wide receivers have to be disciplining compared to like their projections. It's it's just, it's hard without playing a full season or at least three quarters of a season. And again, going up against Indy, Baltimore, Baltimore, Cleveland, late Cincinnati, like it's probably just not going to be successful enough for, well, and, and then the kicker is the fucking price right now is Looney Tunes. You know, I'm, I'm saying more of a, Hey, there's been some wide receivers that played okay, and Pickett is a big number in like week seven yeah. or eight. Should I should I take a ticket because I think he's going to play the second half of the season? It's tough. I just you, you don't see it when they don't play. You know, they don't play at least ten games or so. Probably more. You you probably need more than that. So not not something I'm interested in. I am interested as just an outside observer and a fan of doing things the right way. I'm hoping they go one and seven. <laughs> I just want to see them. I, I'm just yeah, of it. course. I don't. I don't want the the scenario where Mitch plays well and we don't see much picket. Get him in there. Let's right. see what we got. Right, and uh, those final nine games are tough. And I think Pickett would do well to go three and six, which means this is a four win team. If that manifests, this is like a four and thirteen kind of a season. Um, and really, yeah, between, at the end of the stretch, four and seven feels you know, you're, yeah, like and, a lot. You know, if TJ Watt's a little banged up, uh, you put him on ice. If uh, Cam Hayward could use a little blow because he's been playing for 10, 11 seasons, then, you know, you put him on ice and, you know, let some of your younger guys get reps. And uh, and then all of a sudden you have a very different looking kind of very, you know, different power rating for this team than the market currently has them, which is kind of around neutral. Um, I think pretty clearly the offense, in my opinion, ought to be power rated as bottom five. Uh, or at least bottom seven. And uh, I think the defense is fair on the high side of better than average, but, uh, you know, has potential to hit average uh, just because of the past defense and, you know, sec- some of the secondary matchup issues. A um, sure. couple of rest disadvantages there in your schedule. Uh, nothing, no, no spots that I'm like, oh, uh-oh, like that looks bad. Travel's not I know, bad. but, but. The, the big rest disadvantage coming against your home game with Cincy that sucks. Oh yeah, you know what the great with, with the game I'm good... most excited about on this whole schedule actually, um, that Saturday night game on Christmas Eve. You're going to get to see a cold night Heinz Field or whatever the hell it's called now. Can you pick at it out sh- there? Those little hands sure in his gloves. Um. Yeah, that's that one is going to be fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. So, all right, let's take a look at these odds. Yeah. Unbettable team. Seventy to one to win the Super Bowl. Thirty-seven to one to win the AFC. AFC North plus nine fifty. You know, it's not crazy, but I'm not going to get involved to make the playoffs. Three plus three thirty is yes. That's that is crazy. Uh, no is minus 460. 
Um, regular season win total over seven and a half is minus 105. Under seven and a half, minus 115. Um, I think under is a fair look here. I think uh, my price to win the AFC North is a little better than plus 950, but I wouldn't bet it. And then to make the playoffs, I'm closer to yes needing to be in the uh, in the 440 range. And it's I hate I hate so. a division price where the whole damn division is competing. has to get hurt again. Yeah, like you need Brissett to suck. You need the Ravens to have what almost the same amount of injuries as last year, and you need Cincinnati to rest like a motherfucker. Like there's it's it's a parlay. You're playing like a four leg parlay and. One of the legs is also like, hey, Matt Canada and Mitch Trubisky strike gold. That seems like a long shot as well. So I'd agree on the under, not a huge edge. I probably won't be putting any money on this team long-term for the season. I do have some pickings. Rookie of the year. Again, there's places that had rogue numbers. They never let you bet very much, but <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where Drew, would you rather have, you know, would you rather have a hundred bucks at fifty to one or five hundred bucks at like sixteen? You know, it's, yeah, I sometimes I just like to, you know, jack it to that number. Like, oh yeah, look at that, I got a good number, guys. <laughs> Plus, I don't like, I don't love like I was saying this in the in the fantasy football chat when I was ragging on fantasy. I'm like, I get mad every time I place another season long bet. It's like, man, yeah. this is just money. I should be churning in tennis or college football or playing in other things. Instead, I'm just, I'm looking at, it's like, I, I look at my my week when I reevaluate how I'm betting. And it's like, man, I had a really nice week. And I have less money in my accounts than I did at the beginning of the week because I play seven more fucking NFL futures. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going backwards here. So, mm. uh, betting plan of attack, anything? Um. I mean, pretty obviously, if this defense realizes its potential to the upside, this is the easiest under team on the board. Um, like I said, I think the offensive scheme keeps this, you know, even if some things click, some things work, Najee Harris takes a step forward, the wide receiver core is sick, the offensive line is not as bad as you thought, Mitch Trubisky has some tread left on the tires, I still see a, a ceiling on these guys where they're probably not scoring more than 28 per game in any given game. Um, so, you know, in general... Decent team to tease as a dog. Decent team to look for underspots. Um, and uh, otherwise, I'm probably not going to get much involved with these guys. What about you? Yeah, if there's a if there's a team that's really susceptible to pass rush, and doesn't have the wide receiver core to challenge the secondary, doesn't have a smart enough running game, running scheme to really take advantage of beating up on the second level. That's even at a lower numbers, like you know, you're you're going to be betting like an under 42 in a game like that, but it still might be the right motive. So, be yeah. looking at totals with yeah. this team. I I yeah. won't be looking at Milad as a dog unless we get some big prices. Do you, do you agree with me that they're? A uh, I, I hate teaser betting like? a dog for yeah, a decent maybe a decent teaser like, but again, I don't like a dog or a teaser as a dog with a team that can't stop the run. It's like oh man, they just need to they just need to stop yeah. this team from scoring. Like, what's the opposite of a garbage touchdown? You know, the garbage touchdown with the team that's ahead. <laughs> you yeah, know what the I mean? uh, like, insurance like the, insurance touchdown. The insurance one they don't need with like a minute left, and it's like, yeah. oh my god, they just they just are giving up like ten yards of carry against the, the front team. door cover. The clock out. Yeah, front called? door cover. So, I'm uh, 
not scared. Not not um, uh, a, little, a little scared of this team. Okay, so uh, week one against Cincinnati, I've gotten the sense or the whiff that they're going to be a hot side there and that that number is going to come down at six, six and a half right now. People aren't really worried. We're warm on Cincinnati. I, no, I'm out. 44 and a half as the total, six and a half as the side. Um, I don't think that's playable, but I'm going to monitor that market a little bit. Let's see. I might lay it. You might lay it. Well, we'll get to Cincinnati and whether the market is too cold on those guys on Wednesday. So tune in. But. Bye.